Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Robertson S.D. Hamilton, and I believe that the key to living a purposeful and meaningful life is continuous growth. Through this podcast, we will explore the lives of Jewish women, leaders in their own right, and gain access to the secrets that inspire women to live a life with a commitment to a deep faith. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. So obviously, my first episode has to be with my amazing mother, because she is really my role model in every single way. And she obviously, as I grew up, I watched my mother be this amazing Torah teacher, public speaker. And I kind of thought it was very normal. Lots of people asked me, um, how come you can just stand up there and speak? And I thought, think to myself, I think back to my youth and I think, but I watched my mother do this when I, from when I was young and, and, and it looked so natural and it looked exactly like she was doing what she was supposed to be doing. And I think um, Torah teachers, female Torah teachers, Rebbitsons, Rebbitsons who are out there teaching Torah and being leaders for Klal Yisrael is what we need so much more of. And um, when we lived in London at the time, when my mother was doing it, there was hardly anybody else doing it. So first I want to tell you a little bit about my amazing mother. My mother is called Rebbitson Fia Kimchi. She was for 35 years the Rebbitson of a young Israel shul in London called Ne Israel. My parents actually started the shawl with about 10 families and it flourished and became one of the biggest young Israel shawls in London. My mother was also a Kodesh teacher her whole life. So she taught in high schools and she taught in the shawl and she taught, she's been teaching Torah to women for over 40 years. My mother as a side job was always a childbirth educator and a doula and a color teacher and a parenting teacher. Um, And my mother through all of that, I remember her doing her bachelor's in psychology and education. As a young child, I remember her sitting down writing all the essays. And of course, she qualified to be a teacher many, many years ago. And then about five years ago, my parents decided to retire from London and realize their dream of making Aliyah moving to Eretz Israel. And just before they did, my mother decided to qualify as a CBT life coach. And she qualified as a with EFT, which is tapping. And my mother has been a mentor to me and many others throughout her whole life. And now she lives in Eretz Israel and she does a lot of life coaching, mentoring, teaching. So I think she doesn't understand what the word retire means at all. And it gives me such a pleasure to introduce my mother to the world, to the wider audience, um, so that we can glean from my mother all the amazing secrets of how to keep inspired, how to be able to inspire others, um, how to be an authentic Torah educator, how to be a female leader, all of these things we hope to learn from her. So, Mommy, welcome to my my podcast. Thank you for being my first guest. <laughs> and for the first question I want to ask you, can you share with us your journey of how you became a Torah teacher, a Rebbitson? And was this always your plan? Was it always your passion? Was it something you fell into describe to us um, the beginning of your journey when you read out all this thing um this list of quote-unquote achievements i don't really feel those are my main achievements i really honestly feel that um our main um tough kids or achievements in this world is Baruch Hashem to have a family of seven children um, that we raised uh, hopefully as good people Torah Jews uh, who mainly, not all of them, but yes, I think, um, spread Torah themselves. And um, I always, in my so-called career, I've always put the family first. Yeah. And when you were little, any main jobs outside outside of the house, 
um, I did it all on the side. You know, you can do all these things on the side. Um, <laughs> perhaps it's true. Um, but the first thing is, you asked me how did I roll into being a Rabbitson. Um, the truth of the matter is, I started teaching Torah when I was very, very young as a madricha in a youth movement in Holland. I'm a Dutch girl. You can hear the accent. And why was that? Because I've been blessed with a great love of Torah, of the actual text. When I open the Chumash, you are, this is one of the questions you're going to be asking, what inspires you? And I can honestly say it is the Chumash itself, the Dvar Hashem, undiluted, that really, really always inspires me. And it has always inspired me. And I felt, wow, this is so amazing. This is so unbelievable. I want to give this over to other people, if anyone is interested. And of course, I didn't know very much because in Holland, the Jewish education was very, very sparse. But whatever I knew, I wanted to help other people understand as well and convey. And, and that is really how it was. I never intended to be um, a teacher. I found myself teaching because of the love for the actual text. And I really felt it, it is it is so inspiring that I want other people to benefit from that. You know, that wow. is really the story how I went into it. You know, I always thought I'm not going to marry uh, anyone, just some random. It needs to be somebody who has got already a purpose in his life, either a rabbi or a doctor or somebody who does something for Claudius Israel. It sounds like even before you got married, you were already spreading the light of Torah. You're already a Torah teacher. Yeah. Very interesting because it's not true, definitely not in your generation, that every, you know, it made a massive difference, I think, to the community that wasn't only, you know, daddy that was teaching, but also you. I think it was very inspirational. And that's very interesting because in my later years, I thought about the role of the Rebbeton and perhaps uh, because myself, I'm so inspired by the, by the Torah itself and by learning, I, I'm quite, you know, I can't say I'm a bookish person, I think we also have a lot of good fun together, but, but it, I just love it and maybe this does not speak to all women and perhaps I should have been more of a pastoral worker put more emphasis on that, but I thought, look, we lived in Israel for six years and I was very inspired by, for example, Rebetzin Heller, you know, mm -hmm. she was amazing and other amazing female educators who really, and I went to Michelin and it was wow, you know, I thought, wow, this is amazing. So obviously when you're a Rebetzin, you must obviously share all this with other people, but perhaps that is one of the mistakes I made. If you're asking me the mistakes that I made, <laughs> perhaps I should have been more of it more of a pastoral worker and less of a Torah teacher but saying that it also depends on the personality you know yes, you think I'm course. very you know gregarious and I'm going and this and that and the truth of the matter is I'm actually quite shy <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it <laughs> no, no I think ah, well, to phone somebody called and say how are you that yes. I only learned that later on in my Robertson career. In the beginning, I thought, ah, who needs me? They don't want me. They're not interested in me. Right. And that is something that you learn over the years, that maybe people do want to hear from you. Yes. I really thought I had a bit of a complex, right. especially in the first 10 years. Right. I thought, who wants that? And maybe that's good for other Robertsons to hear. Yes, yeah. that's what I was going to say. That you, yes, that you don't, you're not born into the role. Sometimes you have to work on being in that role. Yes. Yes, yes, I did. And it took me at least 10 or 15 years um, to feel more confidence and actually reach out to people who had not reached out to me. Of course, anyone who'd reached out to me, I would respond enormously. But that is also something that has changed very, very much over the last 20 years, I would say. 
you say you didn't know any of the Rebbitsons who were also educators at the same time. No. Okay. There were no courses in how to be a Rebbitson at all. Say there is, there, if people who want to teach Torah more, they can stay in seminary for Shana Bet or Shana Gimel. And I think um, there's a few organizations that have made like leadership programs, I suppose, yes. for women. Yes. Um, yes. But one of the reasons um, why I want to do this podcast is really to glean from all the people who have experience of being Rebbitsons for many years. Um, um, what you know how how can we develop ourselves more really because there's no smicha program for women so there's no like official qualification and that's why I think women who are Robertsons often lack the confidence because they don't have a piece of paper you know the piece of paper is it, it gives people a lot more confidence they say oh well I qualified I passed the exam but there's no exam to pass so it you know yeah. It does, it does. But I really also think it comes with experience and with feeling more confidence in yourself. And I remember at the age of 35, something switched. 35, 40, I thought, oh, now I've grown into myself. How do you keep yourself inspired daily? What maybe success habit do you have that will make people feel today is a Tuesday morning and I wake up and I feel like I'm living a meaningful and purposeful life? You know? Well, I, I'm very, very big advocates, and you know this, of balance. Yes. Um, balance is enormously important. And you're, you're right. Life with a young and growing family, life in, within a communal setting as a community leader uh, and the financial pressures and everything else and keeping your relationship with your husband going and your responsibilities to the wider family, your parents, your grandparents, your children, your grandchildren, your wider family are enormous. Yes. So it can be that the person is absolutely totally overwhelmed. And when you become overwhelmed, nothing else, nothing works very well. Right. So I'm really a very big believer. Every single day, a person needs to take one whole hour out, one hour of quiet contemplative time and listen to yourself and listen. It sounds very corny to your neshama. Because I really do believe that we all have a, obviously we have an issue, but we all have a still quiet voice inside of ourselves who knows the truth, who knows the MS and who feels connected to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Do you understand? Yes. And you do need that quiet time. And in that quiet time, I would say to you, um, read something inspirational. I, I still do every day, something inspirational. If I have a bit more time, I'll go to Der Hashem, which I find very inspirational. But everybody's different. If I have less time, I take one of the, Rabbi Tversky's books or something which is easy Jewish reading, inspirational Jewish on spirituality or whatever. And that is really, and then I do believe we need to daven, but I know that if you have a lot of small children, a lot of precious, davening is very hard, official davening is very hard. But do give yourself one thing a day that you do daven at. Whether it's morning brachas, ideally it's shmona as well, if you can manage that. But besides of that, you should, one should, if possible, have a continuous conversation with Hashem and yes. that is really very inspiring and grounding and and important not to get lost in the daily tasks that you have to do I'm less of a reader and more of a listener so I have a few podcasts that I really love listening lovely. to lovely and lovely. I often do that in my downtime so sometimes my downtime is, is 
my driving. I drive a lot here, a lot there. Sometimes I know lots of women, they drive half an hour to pick up their kids, you know, so they have that half an hour in the car by themselves. And what I do with that time is I listen to a podcast that I find really inspirational of another Rebbitson or a Rob, somebody on tour at any time. Don't forget when I grew up, there was no podcasts whatsoever. It was just radio, you know, LBC or something. There was nothing else. There wasn't. So therefore that is my mode. You know, I'm quite a reader, but if you're more auditive, keep every single day. I call it plug yourself in every day. Plug every yourself. Day. And besides that, I also do believe that even if you're very, very busy time, once a week, have a big window for yourself, three or four hours once a week on a Tuesday afternoon, on a Wednesday morning, and do what you really love doing and not necessarily anything Jewish. Do you love French poetry? Go to a French poetry class. Do you love going to a museum? Go to a museum. Do you love exercise classes? Go to exercise classes. Do you like to meet friends? For coffee go for go for coffee with friends go shopping whatever you love doing do that because that's also we need to not only nourish our neshama we also need to nourish our emotional selves do you know what yes. i mean with a little bit of a window for ourselves we manage it what do I manage it? Oh, so, so me personally, that's a good question. I have my podcast that I listen to daily and I also dove in Nishmas Kol Chai every single day. I actually started doing it in Corona for like a 40 day slot. And now I just do it every day. I find that tefillah connects me the most with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I still find it hard to listen to the still quiet voice of my soul. The, so I found that listening to a podcast is good for me. So I'm listening to Torah and, and, and saying to filler, attaching myself to even one to filler because I don't always manage Darwin chakras. It's all a bit crazy, still in that stage of my life. But the sitting and doing contemplative, I sometimes manage to do that if I have a pen and a piece of paper in my hand. It's helpful to go for a walk in a park by yourself without anyone else or in a bit of wood or just being surrounded by nature. You know, it's calming everything and then you can hear it. Then you, then you hear yourself, your, your better self speaking. You ask me your better self. One other tip perhaps I can give. Um, I always told myself, don't, don't think about yourself. Don't look at yourself how they would look at you. Don't look at yourself through their eyes because I would sink into the ground. I was never nice, as nicely dressed and as put together and as well-behaved children and all of that. I just wasn't. <laughs> so I just felt I need to do my very best. So Hashem put me in this place and I'm very happy to be in this place. And whoever wants to benefit, that's that's fantastic. I'm ready to give whatever I can give. Do you remember ever having to make like a really hard decision in your time as a Robertson? Yes. Perhaps what was the hardest decision you had to make and how did that shape you? Okay, not so much as a Robertson, yeah. but in my personal life, look, I was set to be a doctor. I know this is very, I already studied medicine for one year and I'd already met my husband, my very wonderful Rabbi Alan. Abraham Kimchi. He didn't live in Holland. I had a place in Holland. Well, when we decided to get married, yes or no, I realized that would be the end of my medical career. And I think that that was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make. And I know that to the um, ears of the 21st century women, this does not uh, sound politically very correct and everybody's equal. But he said, look, I want a Rebbitson. And if you're a Rebbitson who's very actively involved, um, with the community and if you're studying medicine somebody has to be home to be a homemaker you know at the time that was a very very tough decision was I sorry about it no for a few years I was but what is very important to know in life is that it's not about making the right choice it is about making your choice the right one 
And I got to put me in this place. And I realized my husband was really a wonderful, unusual, unique person who could make a big difference in Kaisal. And I think he has. And I decided to join up with him and, um, you know, be his support and also do this together. And so give to Kaisal in a slightly different way. And what I then later on did was I studied this uh, uh, prenatal uh, sort of endula to give prenatal classes, help women have babies. A lot of medicine is there and it suited me very well. It was part-time and it was very wonderful. And I felt that I could um, still have part of my dream, but in a more moderate way um, and make a difference to other people. And yes, that has wow. been my life. Yeah. Wow. How do leaders or mothers or both continue to power through all the personal struggles while being a role model? How do we push through the hard times? Let's say you're having a hard time, whatever it is, with your kids, but you're still the Robertson of the community. Are you having a hard time with your spouse? You're going through big financial struggles. There are things that we all have in our personal lives. And then you still have to um, be externally a role model for others. So how do you how do you make that balance? First of all, I think you have to be a very genuine person. That's a very important principle in my life to be very genuine, true to yourself. And if you go through a tough time, a crisis, you can say to people, look, you don't need to share what the crisis is. At the moment, I'm going through a tough time and you know, I can't really function on my top level. I will still do X, Y, Z, but I can't do A, B, C at the moment. So for example, you know, when my father was very ill, my mother was very ill, I had to take a step back and that's how it goes. And, um, and I think people, relates to people who are real you yes. know and they also yes. know if it's fake it's fake you can you as much as you can be real and uh, when other people have been ill in our family you say look he's he is ill okay i don't need to say exactly what the matter was but at the moment i can't fulfill everything and i hope and maybe refer them to other people and i hope to be back in the saddle soon enough right something like right that. and when you're a Torah teacher you can't have that struggle, meaning everybody understands if somebody's ill. So let's say, let's say I remember when your, when your father was very ill and then he was nifta. I was about 10, 11 years old. I do remember you constantly flying back to Holland and back and forth. And I remember it being a very big struggle. I don't remember seeing you crying a lot, but I'm sure you were. You were losing your father. It was a very set, tough time. But let's say somebody's going through something similar. But within that, there's also an amuna piece. And perhaps that's the thing that's being shaken. But then you still go out there and you're teaching the Chumash. But in that moment when you're teaching it, it's not so authentic for you because you're really angry with Hashem or you feel very hurt by it or you feel like life isn't going away or something. So how do you fit your emona, your faith piece, your belief piece? Um, or if you're not feeling it, do you feel that you should take a step back from actually teaching it? Um, a very important and very genuine question. Um I've said shiver four times in my life. So I know what that means, you know, grief. Yes. I'm also second generation Holocaust. You know, my parents mm -hmm. went through the Holocaust. So that is still very alive for me. And we just had Tisha Bav. So um, it is very, very important to realize that if you're hurting a lot inside of your heart, you can feel very hurt and you can say to Hashem, Hashem, I'm so hurt now. I can't, I can't really relate to you. I'm so hurt. I think it is important to acknowledge that, that you can't be top speed at your normal. Your emona is intact. Hashem is there. 
but you have moved away a little bit. Ah. And for example, I will tell you, I lost a very beloved, wonderful brother when he was almost 18, I was 20 years old. And honestly, I couldn't govern for half a year, not officially. I had a conversation in my head. But yeah. it didn't mean that I lost my emotion. I didn't lose my emotion. I was so incredibly hurt. I didn't know where to put myself. Yes. Um, and Baruch Hashem, it came back. Rosh Hashanah and Kippur was, the, I remember that the floodgates opened finally. And Baruch Hashem, it all came back. The question is really, let's say I'm having a problem with davening, but I'm the tefillah teacher right now in the seminary. So I right. have a job. And my job is that I teach tefillah every day, every week, three times a week in this seminary. But right now I'm having a problem with davening. So, so it's a Torah it's, teacher is not only teaching material. As a Torah teacher, you're teaching your neshama. That's the question. That's very, very true. But I think that there is enough material um, to be able to teach it still properly. Because somehow when you become a teacher, you know, you all have a private persona and a more public persona. I don't think it's a steerer. You can, obviously not the first week or two, but after a few weeks of recovery, you can become that teacher again. And you have to be honest with them as well. You have to say, look, I'm going through a lot of pain at the moment, but I still want to tell you that the relationship with Hashem is not disconnected. We're still there. We just don't feel it much at the moment. My next question for you is, what is the best advice you would give to a Jewish woman that wants to lead a meaningful and inspired life? Not only Jewish leaders, but any Jewish woman. First of all, um, personally, I've always been very, very inspired by the following passage from Micha, the prophet Micha. Okay. Which means, what does Hashem, what, what, what does He really, really want from you, oh, person, Ben Adam, everybody, but, you know, I suppose for us now, especially a Jewish woman, Jewish person, um, see the big picture. That is really what he is saying. The big picture is be a person of integrity. Make sure that justice is done. Justice in its very wide um, understanding of the word. You understand? So be a person of integrity that people can rely on you and, and, and on everyone else. Don't just um, do a bit of chesed here and there. Make sure that you train yourself to love loving kindness. In other words, work on your personality, reshape your personality that you understand that that becomes part of you. You can work on yourself and, and to be a giver rather than a taker and be aware of this, okay? And the last one is which means see yourself in relationship to Hashem. It literally means walk humbly with the Lord your God. But okay, what it really means is it not obviously it speaks about clothes, but that is not at all the wider context. The wider context is then you then you will always be humble because you are Hashem put you in the world for a certain task and go with Hashem, walk with Hashem your entire life, and be aware of His presence in your life. So these three things I think are really the basis of everything. So in other words, see always see the big picture and not just don't get stuck in little petty things oh. and realize that you're here in Hashem's world and that you have something to do and train yourself to be a better person 
so inspiring that is I'm inspired yes I love that I love that because I feel that often we get so stuck in the very small tiny detail of something and and to just zoom out gives you such a perspective like this doesn't really matter or it's not important or I'm going to let it go I'm not going to have that fight or I'm not going to have that argument yes. it's it's irrelevant yes. to life the in the big picture and I just want to choose to be the bigger person choose to it be a bigger person to be the better person yes so that is perhaps an inspiring thought. Okay. the next question is what is one change that I or anyone can make today that will get me closer to my higher self so all of this is very inspiring but what what practical change can I make today to be reaching for my higher self like you just said okay well I think a very very big one is gratitude that you take in your quiet time that oh. you feel grateful that you focus on what you have got rather than what you haven't got and that is such an important principle and even in the thriller before you start davening you just want to essay you first take a deep breath and say gosh i'm so grateful i'm so thanking you for my good circumstances for my body that works for the wonderful family you've granted me for everything and then you can go into Yishmane. So that's what I feel in any case. So that is gratitude. And for the more practically oriented people, do a chesed. When do you chesed. do a chesed, you always connect up to your higher self. What is a chesed? You look around, who needs something from me? And, and I tell you what, it usually means you give up of your own comfort and pleasure, right? It takes time, it takes effort, this and that. And when you and then give of yourself, you become... You become a better person. You get in touch with your higher self. You have helped somebody in the here and now, and you you will glow for the rest of the day. You know, wow. I have a fridge magnet. Did you do a chesed today? Do you remember that? Yes. Did you do a chesed today? Did you do a chesed today? But yes. I also think that... Make a phone call. Make a phone call. Look for somebody who needs a lift. Um, you know, that type of thing. That, that lifts you out of your own smaller concerns makes you feel good and really is very effective in the world, you know. But Anahamas Chesed. So why doesn't it feel that way for lots of young mothers who are doing basically Chesed all day? I'm just thinking about myself this morning. I made everyone breakfast. As soon as I sat down, everybody needed a drink of water. So I got up, got everybody a drink of water, came back down. As soon as I sat down, somebody wanted me to make them a cup of tea. So I got up. These are all like many people in my house asking me all day. I think I spend the first two, three hours of my day just doing for others but it doesn't feel the same as when I think of like a lonely person in their house and I'm going to call make the phone call why doesn't it feel the same I think a few things first of all because your own kids that's part of your job sounds crazy but if you're after a secretary somewhere or whatever you need to do your job so you don't feel you're giving you're getting something in return now of course you know because you get your salary now of course we're unpaid workers (laughs) (laughs) family but it's not true you've been giving your children you give of yourself all the time but it is in in a way it is part of your job spec it's expected it's expected of us mothers to be like that yeah and in that way there is always a balance as well you know at a certain point you can say okay now mommy is sitting down for two minutes having a quiet cup of tea and then you can say and now i'll be giving you and i think that's a very important lesson for kids that's part of making your own boundaries because otherwise you're overrun it's true give 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 but okay there is a boundary to that as well you know what i mean but yeah yeah and there's of course also the the you know lots of people resent that because they don't feel 
or they, they themselves maybe feel depleted. You know, they yeah. don't have so much to give. Yeah. And it's very important to nourish yourself, nourish yourself and nourish your quiet time. You need quiet time. Whenever yeah. I tell my kids, whenever I tell my kids I'm sitting down and having a quiet cup of tea, they all sit next to me and then they take turns drinking my tea. <laughs> yet work for me i have my real quiet cup of tea when everybody's out in school and i sit yeah. down i don't have yeah. to share my tea with yeah. anyone yeah. that's my favorite yeah. cup of tea i, know. <laughs> I tell you what happens is also a function of your expectations you just have to know that nissan and tishri and and holy summer holidays and winter holidays i just you you won't get your quiet cup of tea it's just like that unless you actually escape <laughs> you just need to know that okay it's in terms of your own quiet time. It's I couldn't say it's dead loss, but it's not really going to happen. So you, yes. you so you need to know that in October you can have your quiet time, and in February you have your quiet time. You know what I mean? I love it. Okay, last question: If you had an opportunity to get a message across to a large group of people, which hopefully this will be, what would your message be? Oh, be good, kind, nice, happy, and careful. You see, I wrote it all out. It's a whole thing because. <laughs> When you're little, to be good means behave well. But when you're an adult child, to be good means be your best self. Yes. And to be good also means try and be your best self because that, in the end, is what will make you happy because self-fulfillment that way. But also be good with Hashem. Have a real connection with Him. That's really important. Be your best self. And be kind means be considerate and kind to others. That is absolutely a sine qua non. You know, yeah. that is really very much part of and be nice, meaning being pleasure to live with. And that is that is harder than you think it is. We say please and thank you and don't shout, you know, except occasionally, of course, you can't anymore. But never, nevertheless, try and be really pleasant to other people and be happy means have a balance in your life. Make sure that you do uh, see the big picture and do enough of uh, feel fulfilled in your own person but with your koiches and with your avodat Hashem for also the wider community but also have a bit of space for yourself and be careful now this is an unusual thing that lots of people wouldn't put there but be careful means that um, you might be a very good and kind person but be careful for some other people are destructive people and protect yourself protect yourself don't be naive I think that Hashem did not mean us to be naive. Thank you so much to my very special mother, Rebetzin Fiyakimfi, for being an inspiration and role model to me and to so many others. You can contact my mother for life coaching, general wisdom, tapping, uh, birth education, doula services, or if you just want to learn some inspirational Torah, she's available worldwide because she's available on Zoom as well, and she lives in Eretz Yisrael. Thank you so much, Mommy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your day with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please tune in next time. And in the meantime, follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration.